are listening to the AI with Maribel Lopez podcast, or AI with ML. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining. The AI with ML podcast is produced bi-weekly with occasional bonus episodes. This podcast shares the stories of the people behind the new world of data and AI. What are they creating and why does it matter? If you like this episode, please subscribe so you can easily find the podcast again. You can also share your feedback and ideas with me on Twitter and LinkedIn. All links are in the show notes. Extended show notes can be found at AIwithML.com slash podcasts. I hope you'll enjoy the show. You are listening to the AI with Maribel Lopez podcast or AI with ML. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining. The AI with ML podcast is produced bi-weekly with occasional bonus episodes. This podcast shares the stories of the people behind the new world of data and AI. What are they creating and why does it matter? If you like this episode, please subscribe so you can easily find the podcast again. You can also share your feedback and ideas with me on Twitter and LinkedIn. All links are in the show notes. Extended show notes can be found at AIwithML.com slash podcast. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Maribel Lopez, and I'm joined here today with Ken Exner. He's a CPO of Elastic. Hey, Ken. Hey, Maribel. Good to, I'm good. I'm good. Good to be here. So we tried to do this before. We tried to do it on the show floor because we're at AWS reInvent. It was a little noisy. It, it was a little noisy. I can hear you now. Noisy. <laughs> and the irony of it is we tried to do it before they even opened the show floor, and it was still noisy. So here we are. Uh, in the Venetian, which I think you and I both spent a lot of time in the Venetian with the various conferences, too much time. Uh, but I thought maybe we could kick off the podcast with Ken telling us a little bit about what Elastic does. Ken. Sure. Uh, so Elastic uh, is a search analytics platform. Um, it began um, with Elasticsearch, uh, which is uh, one of the most popular open source uh, projects of all time. I think it's the most popular Java open source project of all time. It's a search engine. Uh, that is uh, used in all kinds of applications, from Netflix to Uber to to uh, to swipe. What's the thing you swipe left on? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, we're just gonna leave that. You don't need to know. If you don't know already, you don't um, need to know. <laughs> uh, basically, uh, any application that needs search, uh, whether it's a, a product catalog or uh, an e-commerce shop, uh, typically uses Elasticsearch for search. Uh, so that's how we started: is uh, as a search engine for for applications. Um, but one of the things people started realizing is that you could use search uh, for searching logs and other types of unstructured data. Uh, so that essentially took us into the observability space uh, and also the security space because uh, security analysts essentially, are, when they do threat hunting, they're, they're searching through logs. Um, so we essentially got pulled into observability and security because our customers were starting to use Elasticsearch in those two contexts. Um, and then we started realizing, oh, we could search through metrics and we could search through traces and other types of, of data in the observability and uh, security landscape. And then, you know, through acquisition and through development, we ended up with a complete product, a complete um, solution for observability and a complete solution for the modern day SOC for security. Uh, that includes um, uh, cloud security, uh, uh, endpoint protection, identity analytics, a bunch of things that uh, a modern day SOC needs. Uh, so today, Elastic... 
uh, is essentially three businesses. We have uh, the search business where we started. Uh, we have the observability business, and we have the uh, security business. Okay, so there's a lot going on there at Elastic, okay. and actually, I think a lot more than most people think about. So. Uh, we were talking about how Gen AI is everywhere, right? But one of the things that's interesting, I think, is now observability and visibility have become very crucial for organizations. So marrying kind of that concept of search and observability makes a lot of sense to me. So because it's the year of AI. Yeah. And everything you're talking about. Everything is AI. Everything's, AI. everything's about generative AI in 2023. So, so we had to do this in our podcast too. So what I wanted to ask Ken was search is the way that you experience the digital world. And now we also have AI. How do we see the intersection of AI and search and how is AI changing the search landscape? Sure. Um, so if you think about uh, sort of modern day search, it kind of, it began as a way to navigate to content. You had some idea of something you're looking for. Um, just yesterday I was buying my daughter a, uh, a Christmas gift. She wanted a purple backpack. So I went to an e-commerce store and I typed in purple backpack. Yep. Um, I'm wearing purple for those of you that are in the audio. It's sort it, of a purpley blue. A little bit. Cobalt. Cobalt. Yeah. Cobalt. Yeah, that's a yeah. good point. Look at you with the Crayola box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you're going to pull out Periwinkle. I love it. Okay. This is what happens when you talk to somebody that like has search as part of their living. They really know their stuff. Anyway, so, so, so you start uh, search in the modern landscape where it's a way to navigate to content. You have some idea of what you're looking for. You type in a few keywords and you get a bunch of links and you get to content. Uh, and that's still like pretty much the, you know, the majority of uh, search use cases today and probably will be for a long, long time. Um, but what, what started to change a few years back with NLP, natural language processing, is that customers wanted to start using natural language to express their queries. Uh, so not just uh, keywords, text-based keywords, but also just being able to have a complete question. Like, uh, I'm looking for a purple backpack for my daughter for Christmas. Uh, and you're able to you know, ask a question in a complete uh, natural language uh, fashion. And, and from that, uh, search, you know, because we could start understanding the context, the, the semantic meaning of, of the question, we could interpret that, okay, this is probably something that needs to fit school books and probably not a hiking backpack. You know, you can understand the context of what uh, someone's looking for. Uh, so we start going from lexical search to semantic search, uh, where we understand the, sem the semantic meaning of what someone's looking for. Uh, and then what started to change is that, um, it no longer was about, uh, you know, finding a list of, uh, con and links, like relevant links. It was about getting answers to your questions. Um, maybe not an answer to your backpack question, but maybe you have a question like, uh, what day of the week is it? Uh, and rather than getting a link to a bunch of uh, sites that can tell you that, you just get the answer. Uh, so you get this uh, question answering uh, metaphor within uh, search that is about getting an answer and not just links to content. And that is sort of the, the birth of sort of generative AIs. You start seeing content generated in response to a question. And I love that because I think it gets us to the next level of really solving people's problems. You know, when you had, uh, if you had a classic Google search and you had 10 pages of links, that wasn't really relevant. And now to have the power to query your own internal data as an organization and have it come back with something meaningful, I think is going to be really powerful for companies as we talk about how to unlock the power of data. Because we do have data silos or we have people that don't understand where data is or how to find data. So I think there's a lot of opportunity that we're seeing in the space there. 
from where you sit, is there something that you think organizations should do differently when they think about search, when they think about even observability? Well, I'll start with uh, search. So one of the things that we're, we're seeing a lot right now is uh, companies are trying to figure out what their generative AI strategy is. Um, they've maybe already uh, embraced search uh, for uh, other use cases internally, maybe product search or workplace search or something like that. Uh, and they're starting to want to experiment uh, with generative AI, wanting to figure out how to use the power of modern day LLMs uh, to build uh, new capabilities, whether it's uh, helping people find information in their business or automating certain processes, automating uh, you know, marketing automation, sales automation, uh, customer service automation. But what they're struggling with, and we hear this a lot at Elastic, is how do you use these public LLMs with private data? Yes. Um, and that's where Elastic comes in. We, we, we've been working with these companies uh, with you know, indexing their data in the context of search. And we are now using the same power of uh, being able to index the data for, for search to connect up to an LLM. So we're essentially a bridge to, to these LLMs. Um, there's a, a couple of ways that companies can use uh, modern uh, LLMs uh, to cre you know, create generative AI applications for private data. They can either you know, build their own models, which they're not going to do. They can do fine tuning. Yeah. yeah, they can do fine tuning, uh, which is taking an existing foundational uh, model and doing some fine tuning on it, um, which is possible, but it, it's really, really expensive. Requires a lot of specialization uh, and um, doesn't age very well. It's immediately like it, it has to be fixed in time. Uh, so the most popular way of doing this today uh, is a process called RAG, uh, Retrieval Augmented Generation. Uh, and with Retrieval Augmented Generation, what you're doing is you're passing context to an LLM uh, in order to uh, help it answer uh, questions, help it ground it on some information, some body of, of, of information. Uh, and that's what companies are doing right now. They're using uh, Elasticsearch as a way to do this RAG uh, workflow to pass context to an LLM so that it can answer questions based on their private data. So this is a question that, as you mentioned, comes up in a lot of organizations, how to use the private data, mm -hmm. but then there's how do they think about the security around that? So mm -hmm. talk a little bit about how they should think about the security, because right now they think all the information's leaking into the foundation models. Yeah. So um, the first part of this is, uh, you know, how do we um, ensure uh, the privacy of the data that you're using? Um, and this is one of the things that we've been doing at Elastic for, for more than a dozen years is adding security controls uh, so that you can have uh, document-based uh, permissions. You can have RBAC on the data. Um, so for example, if you're trying to uh, implement uh, workplace search, uh, search within your, your business, uh, maybe there's a chatbot you're trying to create for, for HR. Um, if someone comes in and asks, you know, how do I uh, change my tax selection? You can answer that. But if they come in and ask, ask a question like, how much does my boss make? <laughs> um, it shouldn't answer that question, even though it might have that data, because it, it understands that this person doesn't have permissions to, 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 under, to, know, that, uh, to, to know that information. Um, so all the work that we've been doing uh, historically at Elastic to make sure that people have the right permissions to access the information through search also applies to search in the context of generative AI. So making sure you respect the permissions uh, and policies of what you have. Uh, and then with respect to the LLMs that, uh, themselves, um, a lot of the cloud vendors are starting to uh, work with single tenant models so you don't have to work in a multi-tenant environment or uh, LLMs in a single VPC. Uh, we're also looking at how, how to host some of these within Elastic and, and run some of these models within Elastic as well as a different security option. Um, but 
you know, right now, you know, if you can secure the um, the data that you have and make sure the permissions are set on that data, you pass the right information to the LLM in a single tenant environment, uh, and you, you've created a security boundary. So, and I think this is a very important point that is a nuanced point for organizations, but once they understand it, they're like, okay, this is great. I can move forward and use the technology. And we've talked a lot about everybody in an organization being able to access all types of data. And when people hear that, they're like, oh, yeah. can they really access all types of data? <laughs> Do we still have the same kind of permissioning and control? So I, I think that that was a, a very important distinction that we saw AWS talking about, uh, we just spoke about. So I, I think now going forward in 24, we're going to have much more confidence of how we use these models and what we can do with them. Well, obviously, as CPO at Elastic, you, Chief Product Officer, you have a lot of time that's invested in thinking about the future of technology and mm-hmm. what you'd like to create and how you make experiences better for your customers. So what excites you in the technology landscape now? Um, I'm, so we've been experimenting. So we uh, at Elastic uh, not only create these foundational technologies like search and vector search and you know, using Elasticsearch as a vector database and you know, some of these foundational things, we also build on top of them. So with our uh, with our uh, search and I'm sorry with our security and observability business, we are building on top of these foundational uh, capabilities to create complete uh, end-to-end experiences for security analysts and for um, observability professionals like SREs and DevOps professionals. Um, and we've been building a bunch of uh, uh, AI assistance on top of uh, these basic uh, foundational capabilities. And one of the things that's really exciting me right now. Um, is what we're able to do to automate the the process of a, an SRE or of a security analyst. Um, and if you think about those two professions, uh, they're professions where you have um, a lot of pattern matching that's required uh, and a lot of specialized information uh, that's required. You, you have to have information on the different uh, types of operational issues that you've seen in the past. You build up this uh, this history of knowledge uh, both in security and observability. And those two things, sort of uh, pattern matching and specialized knowledge uh, that's increasingly hard to find, uh, make the, these two spaces ripe for sort of generative AI to help out. Um, you know, machines are much better at pattern matching than humans. Um, so what we've been doing at Elastic is using the power of AI uh, to help in both situations, uh, to help with detection, uh, to help with diagnosis, and to help with remediation. Uh, so detection, you've kind of seen for a while with AI ops, where yeah. you use anomaly detection as a way to uh, automatically find issues, uh, create alerts on issues before you know someone's actually created a, a specific alert for it. So you can use anomaly detection as a way to uh, to alarm on something without having to sort of presage all the ways a system can fail. Um, uh, but we're extending on that. But the next step is uh, diagnosis, which is getting to the root cause of an issue. So if you have a bunch of alerts that are firing, how do you get to the root cause? And this is where uh, uh, an SRE spends a lot of time trying to figure out what is the root of this issue. Uh, or if you're, if you're a security professional, you, you see um, potential um, uh, uh, intrusion and you're trying to figure out how to, how to do threat hunting. That act of threat hunting uh, can be solved through AI workers. The same thing with um, uh, the, the getting to the root cause of an issue. And we're investing a lot of time to, to help, help out there. And then once you find the issue, uh, to automate the, the, the remediation. Uh, so with our AI assistants, for example, 
Uh, we have complete playbooks and runbooks generated for you for how to remediate an issue. So not only helping you find the issue faster, but then saying, here's how you fix it. So I'm, I'm excited about the disruption that's going to happen in these two spaces because of AI. I love this. This is, um, you know, it gets to what I call right time experiences, right information, right person, right time. But we've talked about that for a while, but now we can make them contextual, predictive, prescriptive. And I think that's the big change that we're seeing with companies like yourself, really putting intelligence in that allows people to get to the next level. So yeah, I think it's, it just changes productivity. It makes it possible for more people to do things like operational work or security work. And you don't have to rely on just the expertise of, of a small few. Uh, it, it sort of has a democratizing effect. And uh, I think it's going to just change the productivity landscape quite a bit. Okay. So you've given us a lot of knowledge and insight, uh, but maybe we could close with one last piece of insight. And that's if you had advice for organizations that are watching this podcast, what piece of advice would you like to leave them with? Sure. Um, if you are not thinking about what your generative AI strategy is, you are already late. So um, I spend a lot of time talking to executives and they're all trying to figure out like what their generative AI strategy is. And they're experimenting, they're prototyping, uh, they're starting to figure out like what to do next. Uh, it kind of remind we're at reInvent right now. It kind of reminds me of cloud computing about 15 years ago where, where every executive was trying to figure out what their cloud strategy was. Um, same thing is happening right now with generative AI. Every executive is trying to figure out what their what their uh, generative AI strategy is, and and they're starting to you know, place bets on 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 things that they might be able to automate. Starting to experiment. Starting to figure out if they can uh, use the power of generative AI in their businesses. And my recommendation is get out there and experiment. Start figuring out uh, what you can automate. Start with the things that. Um, you're already starting to use some amount of automation for. Uh, you know, typically you see like customer service, for example, people are using agents and chatbots there already to automate them, and maybe they're like wanting to improve that experience because they kind of suck Hopefully today. Hopefully, they're wanting to improve. That yeah. <laughs> um, figure out what you can apply generative AI for that you're already you're already trying to use automation for, and start experimenting. That's my advice. Awesome. Thank you. I know you've been very busy at the show and I appreciate you taking the time to share your insight with the audience. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Show notes, subscription links, and additional content can be found at AIwithML.com slash podcast. Until next time, wishing you all the best. Thank you for listening. Show notes, subscription links, and additional content can be found at AIwithML.com slash podcast. Until next time, wishing you all the best.